coming up on NHL Fantasy on Ice. An unlikely fantasy gem sparkles again in Boston. The players that must be in your season-long and DFS lineups this weekend. And a special champagne pop and country club brunch for what was the pick of the week. It's NHL Fantasy on Ice, and it starts now. Pete Jensen, Rob Reese here for NHL Fantasy on Ice. We're excited that you could join us for this episode, and we're excited to get to all these trends today, Rob. Plenty of games on Thursday night, plenty of takeaways. We got to start, though, Pete. A toast is in order. You hit a home run with the Mika's advantage ad pick. It, look, if anybody played that pick, they're out right now. They're Turks and Caicos. They're popping bottles. They're enjoying a nice brunch. So they're probably not listening to this episode, but I figured we had to start and say that. But speaking of the latest trends, let's talk about the Bruins. Finally, I think we see their secondary scoring get going, the second line clicking. And considering how banged up they are, I'm really surprised by that. Couple of defensemen out right now. Charlie McAvoy, he has been deemed with the upper body injury. Probably not going to play on Saturday against the Habs. Tory Krug, though, may come back. So that's a big storyline. Talk about the timing for Tory Krug to come back when Matt Grizzlick was pretty much on his own, had even strength and on the power play. Now they get their power play quarterback back in Tory Krug. And Yaroslav Halak continues to chip away at the work volume, the start volume. For the Boston Bruins, Tuka Rask is going to be going on Saturday, but talk about a hot seat uh, for a goaltender and a competitive, healthy competition. Total hot seat. Halak is top 10 in save percentage and goals against average, and he's played more games than Rask. So there's an absolute one-two battle going on here. And look, this might be a 1A, 1B situation. We've Rask is playing at a 901 save percentage right now. That's not going to cut it for Boston. I know they have a good defense core, but with McAvoy, if that's going to be a longer-term injury, it's going to come back to bite them eventually. They might ride the hot hand. Definitely pick up Halak in season-long formats. And how about this? Two shutouts already for Yaroslav Halak. That's up there with anybody across the board this early in the season. We're only three weeks into the young season. And we've seen, we've also seen with Halak in the past that he is a goalie that likes to get a heavy shot load against. For whatever reason, he, he almost plays better when the defense isn't blocking shots, when there's so many shots coming on net. So for season long or DFS, whichever one you prefer to play, Halak's a guy that you should target if he's starting. I will say, though, their game on Saturday against Montreal, another interesting trend here. We've seen Thomas Tatar was the latest ad in fantasy last week. Fast forward seven days. Everyone's dropping him. Now everybody's adding Max Domi. And Jonathan Druin's five-game point streak just came to an end. But they have great chemistry, not only on the, the top six line, but also on the first power play unit with Jeff Petrie, who, oh, by the way, is a point-per-game player through his first nine games. So that's really impressive. Are you sold on Domi? He's really exceeding my expectations. I, I do remember what he did in his rookie season. He was fantasy relevant for the Coyotes with 50-plus points and very sound category coverage. And that was for a team that had other offensive players in the mix. Uh, not a great offensive team. This one has uh, you know, a pretty good first power play unit right now, especially once Shea Weber comes back. So Max Domi's at the forefront of what the Canadians are doing. They're a surprise team. I wouldn't mind adding him right now. I, I, I think that he might get to the 50-point mark this season, something that I didn't think would happen prior to the season. Well, people in Montreal right now are outside with their tape measures measuring Main Street to see if the floats will fit down for the parade. <laughs> I would totally scale back on that. And I agree with you. Max Domi, I do see that 50-point 
around that area like he played his rookie season. Definitely if he keeps getting that exposure on the power play with Petrie, when Weber comes back, another boost for Domi. But right now, look, their game against Buffalo on Thursday night, they were up 3-2 to two late in the third. Buffalo scores a beauty. And then with one minute left, Buffalo has a power play. Darlene, the rookie sensation, is out there. Great chemistry on the power play. Ocpozo rips one from the blue line. Tink, right off the post and in, crowd's going crazy. Look at the standings now, and I know we're talking about standings in October, but look at them. Montreal's in the first wild card spot. Buffalo is tied with them with 12 points. They've got the Caps breathing down their necks from a wild card point of view. The Devils are right there. Even the Senators are hanging around in the Atlantic. This is not going to be sustainable. And look at Montreal's schedule. They play Boston on Saturday. The week after, they have a back-to-back against Tampa and Washington. I mean, this could be a total derail situation. And also in the same division as the Toronto Maple Leafs, who they were competitive against on opening night. But uh, really, you think over time, uh, this will come back down to earth. And also, I think Montreal's face-off ineptitude, they're the worst in the league right now. Their lack of true center depth, bona fide number one center, will eventually catch up to them. So on the flip side of that Buffalo-Montreal game last night, the Sabres keep rolling right now. Jason Pominville, two goals, also factor in, factored into that Ocposa goal at the end when he was on the first power play unit, screening the goalie Niemi in front of the net. Buffalo's offense is clicking right now. Jeff Skinner has a ton of goals, ton of assists. Since we talked about him two episodes ago and we were saying, should you drop this guy? Maybe we'd be a little patient. But Jeff Skinner has really turned it on here for Buffalo and the line change paying off for Phil Housley. Skinner's on fire. And really on Twitter, a, a lot of people, I think the most asked about player was Jeff Skinner should I drop him it looked like Buffalo was off to a slow start and it was going to remain that way things have changed drastically another player I heard a lot about on Twitter was Patrick Hornquist where is this guy he hasn't scored yet through eight games okay now we sit in the chair today he has back-to-back two goal performances and they've been good quality goals too I mean it looks like he could easily be a 30 goal scorer even though he got off to a slow start so another player, and you'd be surprised, he's available in 40% of leagues right now. I think even in competitive leagues, you wouldn't even see him on the ad list because he was so far down in points. Now, if he's out there, grab him, stash him. And look, if you already had him, don't don't hesitate to put him in your starting lineup. And Hornquist is a guy for that Penguins top nine forward group that it doesn't matter where he's playing. He doesn't have to be playing with Crosby or Malkin. He could do it on the third line with Broussard or even with someone else. And speaking of Broussard, three assists on Thursday night. He was moved up to the top line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. So huge development there. Derek Broussard is a different player when he's in the top six and he's moved to the wing with Crosby. You don't even need to say anything more than he's playing with Crosby. I mean, I don't. Even, it's like you don't even care about the stats. That's right. a great stream. If that line lasts for one week, just stream him. It doesn't matter if he's playing 13 minutes, if he's playing on the power play. That exposure alone to Crosby is worth everything. And a ripe matchup over the weekend against a very injury-depleted team in Vancouver. So we'll get to that a little bit later. A couple of injury returns of note this week. We have Mike Green coming back Friday night. See what he does if you're playing DFS over the weekend. But Mike Green joins an interesting mix of defensemen. Now Trevor Daly's healthy. Uh, Dennis Cholosky has been a stud as a rookie playing major minutes. How do you think this Green development affects Cholosky, if at all? Well, it's funny. When I was looking at the slate for Saturday, the first thing I did, I was thinking, 
who's Detroit playing because I want to start the opposing goaltender, but they're not playing. So for their game Friday, their defenseman situation definitely did get interesting. Green's back in the mix. I like Mike Green. He played well, you know, obviously with the Caps. His first three seasons in Detroit were a little bit less production-wise than he was used to in Washington. Still good production, power play role. Chalowski is playing so much ice time over 22 minutes a game. I don't think that changes, even with Green back. He might lose the top power play spot. But for streaming purposes, a guy that's playing over 22 minutes a game is worthy of a stream. I mean, Detroit, we should note, is probably the worst team in the league right now, lacking a superstar, lacking much young talent. Uh, They're in a really competitive Atlantic division, so rough road for them so far. But you could see some fantasy production emerge at different points in the season, and Chalowski's getting the ice time to deserve that opportunity. Alex Tuck, Vegas Golden Knights, they also play Friday, Alex Tuck came back into the lineup, actually sparked that second line. Max Pacioretty finally scored his first goal of the season, and Tuck had five shots on goal. So we really liked that output from him uh, the other night on Wednesday. Patches is back. I, I can feel confident saying that. And Tuck, yeah, Tuck played really well. And the thing about that second line is Paul Stasny is still out and will probably be out another month or so. So imagine that second line in the second half of the season, right around when you're trying to make that playoff push in your fantasy leagues. That's going to be big implications and certainly a trend to get ahead of. By the way, I didn't get a chance to thank you for the shout out about Mika Zibanejad. But yeah, so the two goals, two assists output directly affected his power play quarterback, Neil Pionk. And that brings us to our next Topic, we really wanted to get to some of these young defensemen who are getting thrust into first power play roles. Neil Pionk leads the list. And between Neil Pionk, Vince Dunn, Matt Grizzlick, we'll wait and see if Tory Krug comes back. But I know you got all three of them into your defenseman rankings this week. Vince Dunn is certainly the one that I want more than the others. He is leading their blue line in points, which is surprising considering Colton Perico plays there. Surprising considering Alex Petrangelo plays there. And we just saw Vince Dunn on Thursday night play a career-high 24 minutes, which to me, yes, everything seems to be going wrong in St. Louis. Vince Dunn is the one thing going right. St. Louis has pretty much gone off the rails after that big surprising win against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road. Jake Allen has allowed nine goals over his past two games. A bunch of different players on this line. The lines are changing every night. Like in the middle of games, they're rolling out like three different line combinations in the span of 10 minutes. Guys are getting different usage than they're accustomed to. Vince Dunn is playing bigger minutes lately, especially in that game and especially on the first power play unit, bigger minutes than guys like Colton Pareko and Alex Petrangelo, who is a guy that we were looking at, hey, should you drop Alex Petrangelo? I mean, he seemed like a surefire top 25 fantasy defenseman entering the year, has been a huge disappointment, barely any points. We were talking this morning saying that fantasy owners of Petrangelo should consider handcuffing done because the way that this situation if you're if you have a positive outlook on this St. Louis maybe they have a coaching change something happens there maybe that sparks them and then Petrangelo is fantasy relevant instantaneously so if you have Vince Dunn now to cover that mishap from Petrangelo if they have a cha- if they have a turnaround a quick turnaround even Allen maybe has a bounce back that team could get rolling quickly they definitely have the talent to do so so but that is a situation in the intermediary you should absolutely handcuff Vince Dunn with Alex Petrangelo. And some of these young defensemen around the league have not started very well, but a lot of them are one move, one line change away, one power play bump away from being very relevant. 
Rasmus Dahlin on the first power play late in the game had the primary assist on that goal by Akpozo. Miro Heiskinen, who was a fantasy dud but is a, a young rookie, 19 years old, he scored his first career NHL goal for the Dallas Stars. So hold your horses on dropping him just now. Ryan Pulak's another one. He's playing with Nick Letty. It's not going so well, but to me, only the only thing we're waiting for is for him to finally get bumped up to the first power play unit. So for some of these young defensemen, you got to have patience. And even it applies to guys like Skinner and Hornquist. Look at how different the outlook is just one week later from when we did the show last Friday to what it is today regarding Hornquist and Skinner. The beauty of it is that the shelf life is ever-changing, also the curse of it. But let's look at some of the games for Saturday. We have Panthers at Devils. We've seen the Florida Panthers here the last uh, couple days. They've been doing a little media tour in New York. They've been in our office. And all I can think about right now is, is what is there to talk about from the Florida Panthers' standpoint? They need their goaltender back. That is the only thing that's holding this team back. The offense looks pretty good. Their D is a little shaky, yes, but that can be happen early in a season. But Roberto Luongo, please come back soon. Some of the worst teams in terms of team save percentage are the Flyers, the Panthers, the St. Louis Blues. And that's something that for each of those teams, you could trace it to. Evgeny Dadnov, we should mention, has been lights out, even through all the Panthers' struggles and inconsistencies offensively. He has a point in almost every game this year, scored a... He scored a goal against the Rangers the other night, even in the loss. So he's a guy that's become a nightly lock for me, DFS-wise. Florida hasn't played Thursday or Friday, so they're going to be well-rested. The Devils are coming off a tight loss in overtime to the Nashville Predators. This team keeps getting production from its top guys. I mean, they're not a deep roster, the Devils, but a Palmieri, a Heischer, a Hall, Sammy Votnin got a point last night. Uh, it's pretty much the same group of guys. So if you see any of them in the FanDuel price points uh, that fit your roster, I mean, they're a pretty competitive team right now that doesn't fear any other team in the league, which is impressive. That's what worries me about New Jersey is that they only have one line. And in DFS, if that line gets shut down, you're going to get no value there. So it makes stacking plays a little bit riskier. It's more of an all-in. The storyline for New Jersey that I'm keeping an eye on is Corey Schneider because Keith Kincaid was the first-ranked overall goalie for the first two weeks of the regular season. Now he's lost three straight. And sure, they've been harder opponents. They've been tight games. But still, three straight losses. Corey Schneider's been playing in the AHL. It looks like he's going to be ready to go shortly. He could step in and overclaim that number one spot immediately, and then Kincaid goes right back to being a backup. And Schneider's available in about 30 40% of Yahoo leagues, so he is still out there in some formats. He's probably on IR, though, in most leagues. Try to start making the move now to activate him. Make your roster moves around him and make sure he's back once he gets that first start for the Devils. And Rob, another interesting story. The Devils have partnered with William Hill, first team in the state of New Jersey to partner with a sports book. They're creating a lounge in Prudential Center where they're going to have TVs with all different sports going on. They're going to have lines on display. It's a fan engagement thing. It's a new landscape. And I think it's really interesting uh, for the whole league moving forward. That is a wonderful addition. And they won't be taking bets, so you can't go in there and place a little prop bet that Kyle Palmieri might have a power play goal in the third. But it is a cool thing to do, have the lounge, take a couple look at the over-under for different games in the lines. I think it's really interesting to see how that story progresses throughout the year. 
Another game on Saturday, Islanders at Philadelphia. Philly, I mean, what can we say about them other than their goaltending is a major concern right now. The good news is, and this could be good news depending on how you look at it, Michael Neuverth is ready to come back. He played a game in the AHL. It was actually his first win in the AHL in five years, which is surprising considering how many conditioning stints he's had there. So little momentum builder, setting the bar very low. But for Flyers goaltending, I think that's where you need to set it. Yeah, Michael Neuverth is some fresh blood in that lineup uh, on the back end. That's a good thing. They need something. They need to be revitalized. We've been on ever since he was sent down Carter Hart watch. I think that's going to be all season long. Once he gets going in the AHL, I do expect him to be up here at some point, even for a short trial because of injury or someone being waived. But Michael Neuverth, Thin goalie landscape right now in fantasy hockey. You got to take note. We were talking about Schneider. He's probably not available. Halak, probably not available. Michael Neuverth is probably available, and he could be the surefire starter for the Flyers in, in a matter of weeks. So, yeah, that's a great note there. I wanted to note Nolan Patrick is back from injury. He has two goals in three games since returning. We didn't really talk about him the other episode. He's playing second-line center with Jacob Voracek, and – Eventually, when JVR comes back, that could develop into a strong second line. And this is a hot and cold team. So keep in mind, the Flyers are more than capable of going on a five-plus game winning streak at any point. So this is a good time to buy low. The Islanders are coming off no games Thursday or Friday, so they will have some fresh legs. It's an afternoon game that might get them off to a hot start, maybe if you're looking at it from a DFS contrarian play. And the Islanders have gotten a lot of production from their bottom six, which is not sustainable. And they've also tweaked their top six lines quite frequently the past couple of games. Andrew Ladd still with Matthew Barzell. So against the Flyers, who are giving up a ton of goals, Andrew Ladd, if he sticks in that spot, could very well score a goal with a couple of shots and some decent peripherals, maybe a couple of block or two. So Andrew Ladd, keep an eye on his price with the exposure to Matthew Barzell. And also... Josh Bailey is no longer playing with Barzell. It is Jordan Eberle who scored a power play goal against the Florida Panthers the other night. So the Islanders, yeah, Islanders-Flyers Metro Division battle. This is, I'm probably steering clear of the goalies in this game and maybe tapping into one side of the offense. Oilers-Predators, I mean, we were looking at this Oilers offense, how one-dimensional it was with the Connor McDavid line. We've seen a couple of guys emerge here. Uh, Evan Bouchard scored his first career goal, defenseman, and Oscar Kleffbaum's been really productive in the peripherals. Been waiting for him to bounce back for quite some time now. Nashville's my top team in the West. They have everything that you want from fantasy angles, from DFS angles. There's value, defenseman value, even some goaltending value too against an Edmonton team that is scoring right now. Their power play, Edmonton's power play, is sixth in the NHL considering it was last from just a season ago. Great improvement there, but I would like, I you know, Nashville at home is a great team, and Peter Laviolette, since he wore that bull mask in that interview, they're just, something about that to me screams championship team. When coaches do that, it's like the Caps. I saw the other night, they were on their Western Conference road trip. They were out in Vancouver at, at Whistler. Braden Holpe was playing his acoustic guitar in a bar for a venue. I mean, that's the stuff that I look for, these little storylines, and all of a sudden, I package that in DFS. I don't know. It's, a, it's out there. It's a crazy theory, but for Nashville, certainly something good going on. Looks like the chemistry's forming, and that top line, it doesn't matter who you take. Arvidsson, he's scoring. Forsberg, he's scoring. And Ryan Johansson, he's not even shooting, but he's getting assists in almost every single game. So 
get a stack. I wouldn't be shy about it. Maybe even if you do Forsberg, Johansson, and then a little Subban play, hit that power play. I think they win big over Edmonton. Nashville has a team filled with guys from DFS standpoint that you can spend up for. That's not a team that you, you maybe want to get one of them into your lineup, but you start loading up on a team that has struggled on the power play, especially. I can't believe they're tied for third worst power play in the league. I especially expect that to eventually revert back to normal, but maybe just get one of them in your lineup. I'd temper my expectations for Nashville on any given night. They're a stronger team to me for fantasy over the course of the whole season. No team with P.K. Subban should be last in power play percentage. It just doesn't add up. Another team I was just talking about, the Capitals, they play at the Flames, and the Flames are coming off a season-crumbling 9-1 to defeat. Pittsburgh went in there. They were up 7 to nothing after two periods. The fans booed the Flames off the ice at the end of the second. Oof. And like I said, I was just talking about the Caps. They were out doing these team-building activities. Yes, they lost in Edmonton. But TJ Oshie, he won an axe-throwing competition in Whistler. He's one of my DFS locks that night, and I'll tell you why. Caps power play right now, one of the best in the NHL. The Flames are going to be so preoccupied trying to take Ovechkin away and trying to take Kuznetsov away now that he's shooting. Oshie's left wide open in the middle of the ice. I can see him having a couple goals. I can see that too. I mean, the Capitals right now, if you look at the power play leaderboard, Oshie's not in the top five or six, but they have four other guys. Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson. Carlson's producing at a ridiculous rate. He's worth spending up for against this favorable opponent if you have the money at the defenseman position. No doubt about it. For me, Calgary has some type of a leadership void, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the if the Giordano... I know they have Giordano, the captain. They have Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan. These guys have been with the team for a long time. Something's missing with this group. They have a new coach, same trend. But that that's it. After those players, that's it. That's all that comes to mind. And James, the real deal, Neil is not producing like that right now. That nickname is long gone. It's living in the past. And and look, they tried to put him on that top power play unit. It didn't work. Nothing is working right now. So like you said, without Johnny Gaudreau, Mark Giordano, or Sean Monaghan producing, there is no value there right now. There is not even a DFS play that I feel comfortable making saying, hey, slot this guy in at $4,000 and spend up on other parts of your lineup. I'm just not sold on it. And the Capitals interesting development there they have Chandler Stevenson and Devontae Smith-Pelly have been seeing a lot of time in their top six Jacob Rana where do you stand on him because he's a guy that we were tracking heavily in the playoffs had a good shot volume a lot of quality chances scored that goal in the final game against the Golden Knights in game five the championship clincher but he has come out of the gate kind of weak only at least a point in three of his first nine games despite playing a lot of time on that second line with Backstrom and Oshie. So is this a guy you stick with or maybe cut the cord? I'm sticking with him. And Vrana got moved down to the third line. He was playing with Backstrom and Oshie, like you said. Moved down to the third line. And good news, they lost 4-1 to to Edmonton. They might switch that line up. And he played with Ovi and Kuzi in the playoffs last season. Scored a great goal in Game 5 against the Penguins. And Vrana has two points in two games against the Flames, so maybe a little bit of a value play there DFS-wise. Maybe he likes the opponent, likes playing at the Saddle Dome. Definitely see some appeal in Vrana in season-long. I just wouldn't add him yet. DFS, sure, but not season-long yet. I'm sure he's probably going to be cheap too, Jacob Vrana, in FanDuel. So keep an eye on his price point and where he's playing in the morning skate on his line. 
Montreal Canadiens, Boston Bruins. We've already talked about a couple of storylines here with Max Domi. Tori Krug could come back. It seems like definitely next week. Maybe not Saturday, but keep an eye on that storyline. Charlie McAvoy's out. I think this is stream city about Grizzlick if Krug and McAvoy are both out. Stack city. Yeah, stack them with one of the top top dogs. Patrice Bergeron, I have him in almost all my leagues. What an absolute stud this guy is. And I think he's going to dominate the Montreal Canadiens in the face-off circle. He might have 15, 20 face-off wins in this game against a, a team that has Max Domi, Philip Deneau, weak up the middle. I'm going to double down on that and pick David Krejci too. I like Boston big in this game. Their second line finally got rolling. Jake DeBrusque is scoring now. Their power play looks great, even without Krug. I've got Boston big in this one too. And I'll piggyback off that. Tuka Rask is my goalie of the night. I think that with the competition going on with Halak, it's lit a fire under him. Rask looked good in his previous game, got the win, only one goal allowed, I believe. But yeah, Tuka Rask, I think, comes to play here, gets the win, probably two or fewer goals allowed at home against the Habs. The Bruins are going to love that. And the Bruins are, you know, we've seen them. For me, I picked them to go to the cup final this year and lose to the Sharks. That's my pick, by the way. And I feel good about how the Bruins are sticking together, 5-2-2, two, and two, two strong goalies, showing the defensive depth to survive injuries to McAvoy and Krug and weathering the storm. That's all. That's We talk about the Capitals all the time. You weather, if you're a championship caliber team and you weather the storm during the ups and downs of the regular season, that really bodes well for it you. It doesn't hurt that they have the best top line in hockey too. That certainly helps them. A little bit of a rematch here from Wednesday night hockey. Jets at Maple Leafs this time. They're going to Toronto. Maybe, just maybe, Winnipeg, this lights the fire for them. They get going. Something happens here. When I was watching that game against the Leafs on Wednesday, one thing stood out to me was the Jets don't have the depth presence there. So from a DFS play, I don't see a whole lot of intrigue on their second line, on their third line, on their fourth line. Because remember, they put Patrick Laine up with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Right. They stacked the top line. Let's see what they do ahead of the rematch. One thing with this game, so it's the Matthews versus Line A angle. We covered it heavily on NHL.com the other day. You wrote a behind-the-numbers piece. I covered more of the fantasy angle where you're talking about where have these guys been playing in their careers. You know, the first year for Matthews, he was playing. He scored 40 goals as a rookie, playing with mostly Connor Brown and Zach Hyman, which is unheard of. Then last year, he had Nylander as his even-strength line mate, but wasn't playing on a great power play unit. Now he has great line mates and is on a phenomenal power play unit that includes Mitchell Marner, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, and Nazem Kadri, who we'll get to in a second. But what have you seen from Patrick Laine versus Austin Matthews from a numbers standpoint to lean you one way or another so far for these two young superstars? What I learned was that Patrick Laine and Austin Matthews both respectively rank first and second in goals per 60 since entering the league in 2016-17. Flat out score. Patrick Laine should have had a goal in that game. He ran one square off the pipe early in the first period. I've got to say, 
this is the game that I would load up on Jets and DFS, and only because this is one of those games I think Line A, he's got to break out. It's been, he's been way too quiet for his standards. I like what the Leafs have going on, but I'm telling you, there's something about this team that's hot and cold, and we saw it last year too. I don't think they have enough insurance on defense. I don't think Ron Hainsey can keep up with these guys on the wing. Pete, I don't know if you're with me on this, but I would take a flyer on line A and then maybe a little value play with Brian Little on that second line. Do you see any value there, or are you hot on Toronto? I've stacked, I've encouraged people to stack Jets a couple of times this year, so I'm probably taking a step back. I do like the Leafs in this game, uh, but I see where you're coming from. I still I haven't have, learned the lesson. Yeah, I have gone with that on these shows a couple of times, so the Jets have let me down a little bit. <laughs> I'll, but, I'll give it a try now, and we'll see if it does anything. But always a really fun matchup when these two come together. We were talking about a little bit prior to the earlier game this week between the Jets and the Maple Leafs. How cool would it be for the NHL if these two guys both go off for hat tricks or something like that, you know, similar to Crosby and Ovechkin back in the day. Something crazy like that could happen in one of these games. So don't underestimate any way that you could tap in, whether it's through Brian Little or Kasperi Kapanen, who, by the way, scored that cold-blooded first goal in the game on Wednesday. I love that from the young stud. For Toronto's forward group, before we move on, Nazem Kadri scored his first goal of the season in his 10th game. He's a goal scorer the past two years. Kadri, I think, will eventually benefit, whether it means he gets Kapanen on his line or Nylander when he, if and when he eventually signs with the Maple Leafs, still an unsigned restricted free agent. So do you hold on to, do you, are you leaning towards where I'm going with this, where hold on to Nazem Kadri because of the exposure to the Leafs offense? Yeah, and his power play role too. He plays right in that slot, like I was talking about Oshi earlier. As soon as teams try and start cheating on Matthews, cheating on Tavares, cheating on Marner, Kadri's going to be wide open for the one tees right there in the slot. A game out west, though, I really have to talk about Avalanche at Wild. How about the Colorado goaltending duo right now? I was not sure who to pick one or two going into the season with Varley or Grubauer. Right now, you can't miss on either one of them. I have Grubauer in two leagues as a fourth goalie, and I really like what I've seen from him so far. I still think the risks are there with Varlamov, but he has been at an elite level so far this season, Semyon Varlamov. So that's been great to see. Tops in the league in team save percentage for Colorado. They faced the Wild. This is a nice little rivalry uh, going back to when they met in the playoffs a few years ago. Always an interesting game on paper. One guy from the Wild I'm looking at to spend up on defense, Ryan Suter. This is a guy that he's not, he doesn't do it in a sexy way. He's their top power play guy. I know they have Spurgeon and Dumba in the mix as well, but he has nine points in his first nine games. One of nine defensemen league-wide, including Petrie, Keith Yandel, guys like that, Morgan Riley, John Carlson, uh, who are at a point per game or better at this stage of the season. So, Ryan Suter gets you those peripheral categories of shots on goal, blocked shots, plays power play minutes. I really like the idea of spending up for Ryan Suter against a one-line team in the Colorado Avalanche. Since Colorado is going to be coming off a back-to-back, they'll be on the second of that. I would also say target Zach Parisi in that game. Their second power play unit seems to be better than their first. I'd venture to say that is becoming their first power play unit now that Eric Stahl has started off a little bit quiet. So I would raise and say Zach Parise is another name to target. And Jared Spurgeon, who we mentioned the other day, remains a good streaming option on that second power play unit. Lightning Coyotes, 
This is an interesting one because the Lightning are on the second of a back-to-back. So watch out for who's playing on Friday night. We assume it's going to be Andre Vasilevsky against the Golden Knights. Saturday, then, if it's Louis Domingue going against his former team in the Coyotes, we both like the Coyotes here uh, based on what we've seen. Galchenyuk had his first point since joining the team in his second game since coming back from injury, playing with Clayton Keller still, so that's a stacking option if you want to spend up there. The goaltending for Arizona, I know you really like. I've got This is the game I've got my goalie of the night in, either Darcy Kemper or Antti Ranta. Ranta has been ill the past few games, so Kemper's one, two straight, something to keep an eye on. If Ranta goes, I have a lot of faith in him. If Kemper goes, I feel the same. I would take either one in DFS, and they're going to be below 8,000 against a quality opponent in Tampa Bay. And we've already talked about the Sabres game against the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks at the Blues. One note that I know you wanted to touch on with Duncan Keith and what's going on with this Blackhawks defense. It seems like they're giving Henry Yokoharu quite a leash on that first power play unit and also upticking the minutes for Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, who are both fantasy relevant right now. All three of them are in my top 50 rankings, which really says a lot about Chicago from a season ago when Duncan Keith had one goal through 60 games. So certainly a lot of value on their blue line. Favorable matchup at the Blues, who, like we've already touched on, we don't need to add on the pile there. Last game of the night that I'm looking at, Penguins at Canucks. Interesting matchup here considering how banged up the Canucks are. Pens are rolling. I really I really would not suggest targeting any Canucks here. There is that uh, low ownership type of play, but for me it's just too much of a risk. And the injury watch right now for Vancouver is a long list. You have Pedersen, who could come back at any time from the concussion. Brock Besser missed the game. He's banged up. Edler out, as you mentioned, and Sven Berchi's on injured reserve. That's really a shame to see because he was really taking a step forward this year. It's brutal. And they've had to call up so many guys now. Their line combinations are unpredictable. Their first power play usage is unpredictable. Really, you'd just be taking a shot in the dark if you're putting any guys in your DFS lineups from the Canucks. So now let's wrap up the show with our DFS picks for Saturday night. There's some games in between on Friday, but with all things considered, we have a good pulse on the games for this weekend. So Rob, let's get your picks center, wing, D, and a goalie. Right off the bat, I'm looking at David Krejci. He's on a two-game point streak. That's three points over the past two games, including a power play goal. A little bit surprising to see that. He'll be good value in that game. I think a lot of people are going to cherry pick the Brad Marchands, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak. How can you not? For those of us that might not be all in on the Bruins, get that second line. They're rolling right now. David Krejci, I like a lot in that game. Another pick, I talked about it earlier in the show. He won the Axe competition with between the Washington Capitals. Totally bizarre. I mean, it was so funny watching the clips of that on, on Instagram. I like that TJ Oshie right in the middle, playing in the slot, power play galore against a Calgary team that is floundering. I like Oshie in this. D, Duncan Keith. What can be said about Duncan Keith right now? He's playing 25 minutes a game. He's getting some shots through. He's playing on the power play. Alex DeBrincat is rolling. Patrick Kane is always rolling. Can't hurt to get that exposure at a value price point. My goalie, I alluded to it earlier. I like the Coyotes right now. We never soured on them. Even when they were off to a bad start, you and I never talked down about the Coyotes. There is something about that team that seems to be working. I like their defense. I like their forwards. Galchenyuk got his first point as a Coyote. 
on, by the way, the same night that the Canadians lost. So definitely a twofer for Montreal fans, not to rub it in. But something about Auntie Ranta, he was one of the best goaltenders in the league in the second half last year. Darcy Kemper had some good games last season too. So these guys aren't coming out of the woodwork. This has been going on, cultivating for a little while now. Either one, whoever is starting, Auntie Ranta or Darcy Kemper, great matchup against Tampa Bay, who is a quality opponent, but will be on the second half of a back-to-back. And the Coyotes definitely have more stability in the organization and more of an identity than they've had probably for over a decade. So that plays into their bounce-back appeal after the slow start. I love the goalie picks, and I love the Krejci pick, which leads me to my goalie. I'll lead off with that. I mentioned it was Tuka Rask. I like the competition going with Halak. I like the matchup against the Canadians from a face-off standpoint. And I just think that Tuka Rask is an absolute lock, even if you have to spend up for him. Vince Dunn, my defenseman, played 24 minutes, as we mentioned. First power play unit with Vladimir Tarasenko. He's been chipping in points the past three games now. Has three goals already, which puts him among the league leaders and defensemen. And he's probably still cheap in FanDuel. So take a look at him. Jason Pominville has been loading up on goals and assists. Two goals on Thursday night. He's playing not only on the top line with Jack Eichel, also on the first power play with that net front presence. I like Pominville. I like the veteran flair that he brings to the Sabres in this time of need and really uh, ramping up their chances in the Atlantic Division. And then Derek Broussard, I would, I would note that he may be eligible at wing because he's on the top line with Crosby, but he also might still be lagging at the center position. So if he's a center or a wing, his price point should probably be somewhere in the $5,000 range or cheaper maybe even just because it's a one-game trend. So Derek Broussard, roll him out. Trust Sidney Crosby. Trust the second power play unit. I loved what I saw from Broussard. He scored a he scored a he had an assist on the Crosby line, assist with Malkin and Kessel, and then an assist on the second power play unit. So he's getting fully involved right now. I'd venture to say that come Monday, we will be toasting again to the Broussard pick. I'm absolutely all in on that too. Pittsburgh is going to go in there, totally professional, get the job done, and come right back home. I don't have any worries about that. The talent gap in that game is not even close, especially with all of Vancouver's injuries. Vancouver fans might want to stay home that night. <laughs> we'll see. It's It's been a rough go for the, for the uh, Western Canadian teams against the Penguins so far, so... Of course, Crosby had that amazing winner against the Oilers. Then they blew the doors off the Saddle Dome. And then now they're going to Vancouver. So uh, look out, Vancouver Canucks. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a great show. We're looking forward to Saturday contests. Hit us up on Twitter whenever you can, leading based on the lineup news in the morning skates. NHL Reese for Rob. NHL Jensen for myself. And don't forget to subscribe and rate on iTunes, Spotify, Audioboom, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. For Pete Jensen, I'm Rob Reese. Hopefully we're toasting on Monday. Brunch is on us. Get the eggs, get the sausage. We're ready to go. See you then.